0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no flying baseball! No flying! And this
1: game's underway. Into the wind of a dispersed offering.
2: Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be
1: a home run.
0: Oh, oh my god, deep to right field. Way up there. They're going to wave him in. I don't believe it. My, oh, my. And look who's coming up. You've got to be kidding me. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it.
2: Okay, play ball Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's baseball betting podcast. We are presented by BetMGM. Friday in the MLB postseason, we have three games to get to, thanks to uncooperative weather in New York. So the Yankees and Guardians are playing in the early afternoon. So we'll get to that game shortly. Brendan Glashine, your host with two of our action network baseball contributors great to have bj cunningham back on the show it's been a bit bj what's up and uh anthony debundo is back he's been he's been huge talk about someone coming out of the bullpen like every day this week ready to go just lights out like that guardians pen all season long you can find our payoff pitch podcast picks by searching payoff pitch podcast in the action network app we come to you every weekday when there's a game which We'll get to that later. There's a chance there might not be some games next week because uh, some teams might take care of business on this slate today and over the weekend. So we've got Guardians-Yankees, Braves-Phillies this afternoon at 4.30. Someone will be there from this podcast very soon, and I mean it, soon. And then uh, Dodgers-Padres in San Diego uh, tonight at 8.30. That is game three. Those two series are tied 1-1, Yankees up 1-0. Before we get to you guys, I uh, just want to shout out Debundo is on this too, and it's a way to set up Yankees Guardians. Yesterday, if you tuned into the podcast, Sean Zarillo was on and he gave a look ahead line that you should get on the Yankees now before the line changes. Now we recorded before the game was postponed, but Zarillo got the Yankees first five at minus one thirty four, got the full game at minus one thirty two with Cortez on the mound going up against Bieber, but. Take the matchup out of it. It has more to do with that Guardians lineup. Yeah, they're feisty. Put the ball in play. But there is a lopsided edge to the Yankees here in terms of how they face that Guardians lineup. And you, my friend, were also on the Yankees full game at minus 135. Well, a lot has changed. The line now is at minus 155 full game. I'm speaking now. The line's moving, I bet, MGM. And it's minus 160 first five. BJ, it's a long way of me asking. Are you still going to bet the Yankees today?
3: Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to go for the first five. Um, You know, you can find, I believe, you know, minus 160, I think is still a decent enough number to play. Uh, Really from a matchup perspective, I mean, Nestor Cortez, let's be honest, he's been the Yankees' best starting pitcher this season. He has a 2.7 XCRA. That's top five in Major League Baseball. He's the the thing about Cortez is, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of velocity. You know, his fastball is only averaging about 92 miles per hour, but he's doing a fantastic job of keeping the ball off opponents barrels. I mean, his expected slugging percentage allowed is, you know, top 15 percentile in major league baseball, you know, expected batting average is also top 15 percentile. And the biggest thing for him is, you know, he only uses a three pitch combination of a fastball cutter and slider and all of them, are allowing an X weighted on base average under 300 and have a whiff rate over 20%. So, all of them have been incredibly effective. And this Guardians lineup, I mean, they are one of the worst against left handed pitching in Major League Baseball. I mean, they only have a 285 weighted on base average, 84 weighted rounds created plus. That's 27th in Major League Baseball. And against the, the three pitches that I just mentioned for Cortez of a fastball, slider, and cutter, the Guardians have a minus 28.3 run value against the left handed version of those three pitches. So, it is a very, very, Bad matchup for the Guardians. And on the flip side of that, I mean, Bieber, yeah, he was good against the Rays, you know, shut them down seven and two thirds. But, you know, he's bottom 20th percentile and hard hit rate and average exit velocity allowed. His fastball hasn't been that effective 315 expected batting average allowed. And this Yankees lineup, obviously, they hit fastballs very well, but the two pitches that Bieber relies on the most are his curveball and his slider, and yes, they've been very effective, but the Yankees are top five in Major League Baseball against both those pitches. So it is not a good matchup for the Guardians whatsoever tonight. I have Cortez and the Yankees for the first five innings projected at minus 190, so minus 160 is about the the highest threshold that I would play a first five on the Yankees. Um, so that's where I'm going for the game.
2: Okay, and this is also the first time – he faces the Yankees this year. He has not faced Shane Bieber has not faced the Yankees this year. We had something like that yesterday. I think Luis Castillo, which makes a lot of sense because he was brought over via trade from Cincinnati at the deadline. He had not faced Houston and he looked pretty good. If you bet that first five, we were on that yesterday as well on payoff pitch. All right, Anthony, same question to you. All this movement. Yankees are now turning into more significant favorites. The odds keep climbing in their favor. Are you still on them?
4: I am, yeah. I like the minus 150 that is out there. It's about as far as I would go in terms of betting this before I would say, okay, now I've become a little bit too juiced. BJ mentioned the Guardian struggles against left-handed pitching. They're 30th in isolated power. It's dead last in the league. They are 29th in barrels. This is a team that does not lift the ball for power and drive it. And the one weakness that we've seen from Nestor Cortez in his major league career has been that he's susceptible to the long ball especially playing in Yankee Stadium, but the Guardians are not a lineup that can really take advantage of that. Steven Kwan, left-handed bat at the top of the lineup. Jose Ramirez, worse from the right side when he hits switch. Josh Naylor can't hit any lefty. So you're looking at the top hitters in this lineup, even going down to Andres Jimenez, who struggled mightily against the lefties in the Rays series. This is a lineup that has not hit well against lefties all year. They don't hit home runs, and that's the way you get after the Nestor Cortez weakness, and they can't really do it. So they may hit a lot of balls in play, but Cortez, his cutter, generates a lot of weak contact. The Yankees, number one in defense behind him. Zerillo said he projects them as the second-best defense. Outs above average, has them in the top five. It's an elite defense. I like the Yankees here to win game two. do not I'm not sure that I won't be coming back on the Guardians in game three. I think as this weekend goes along, we're looking at potentially four and four. The Guardians' bullpen depth will definitely play in the late innings of these games. After today, today, the Yankees will have their best relievers available. But, you know, as we get into Saturday and Sunday and maybe Monday, the Guardians may have an edge there once they go home. But at least in this matchup, I love the Yankees. Okay.
2: And on the other side, Cortez has faced this lineup twice, and he has 14 strikeouts in his 12-ish innings of work. Both of those starts were before the All-Star break against Cleveland and nothing in the second half of the year against them. So he does have some experience with this lineup. Uh, but, yeah, things have changed for Cleveland, let's be fair, right? That lineup has looked, is, looks looks drastically different uh, than what it did early in the season. So, again, hopefully you got in on the Yankees yesterday. Zarillo was very adamant about mentioning the look ahead to get them now before the price changed, and it felt too good to be true, and that is playing out. Let's move on to Braves-Phillies. Folks, this one's going to be good. The odds are uh, this is an even. This is a this is a pick'em here. Braves, Phillies, both at minus one ten over at BetMGM. Sorry, BJ, I'm going to the uh, I'm going to the Phillies fan first, mm-hmm. and might as well try to get some logical, you know, answer, uh, some really solid, clean analysis before um, the, the 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 smells and the scent of Citizens Bank Park take him over. And he's in the whirlwind of, of, of that ballpark. So please uh, your thoughts on this game.
4: Why would you not bet the Phillies? How about that? Spencer Strider's (laughs) back making his uh, first outing in 26 days. It's definitely an interesting situation to try to figure out who's pitching when the reports are that Strider may only throw two or three innings to open the game. Then we're going to get some Jake Odorizzi. There's a, about a two-run difference between those two pitchers, and that is a massive difference. Does Strider throw two innings or four? Does he throw three? Who comes in behind him? Do the Braves max out the bullpen? It's the first game of potentially three games in three days. Do they save the bullpen? They have Morton going tomorrow. How much do they trust him? So it becomes a really interesting situation trying to predict what the Braves are going to do with their pitching today after Strider starts. We know he's going to throw the first two innings. We don't know, depending on how successful he is, what will happen next? We don't know how effective he's going to be. He hasn't pitched in 26 days, but we do know that since July in the second half of the season, he was number two amongst MLB starters in strikeout minus walk rate. The guy he's going up against Aaron Nola, no slouch ranked seventh. So this is an elite, elite pitching matchup, at least for the first three innings uh, with Nola and Strider, two teams that have seen these starters quite a bit. Nola did just have an excellent outing against the Braves. He's had two different outings of seven innings plus without allowing a run. He's also got roughed up a little bit in Atlanta earlier this year, gave up four runs. So it is interesting. Strider has owned the Phillies 4-0, sub-2 ERA in those outings. This total came down. It was sitting around 7.25, seven and a half. There were some sevens juice to the over. Since Strider was announced, it's come down below 7. I was talking to BJ before the show. If we get a 6.5 minus 110, minus 115 even, I'm going to play the over. I know it's. I just gushed about how good these pitchers are, but with Strider's limited workload and, and uncertain effectiveness and the bank being one of the biggest hitter friendly parks in all the baseball, I will have to hold my nose and play the over if it gets to six and a half flat. That being said, right now, it would probably be a maybe a bravest play for me, but if not, I'm, I'm probably staying away here. First home playoff game in 11 years, very excited for it, but it's tough to really predict out this Braves pitching situation. Are you so you're in on six and a half over over six and a half minus 110, one 15. I would be I'd be in. Okay, it's at 120 right now, mm-hmm. but it's there. It's I'm simply... watching
2: it. Okay, good.
4: Sounds good. You're going to have
2: a good time, no matter what. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a Phillies fan, everybody. He's going to the game today. BJ, your favorite play for Braves-Phillies, game
3: number three. So I think there's a specific way to play this game. Um, you know, I'm going to be on under seven runs and minus 120, um, specifically for the reason, like Anthony just mentioned, is that we don't really know what's going to happen with Strider. You know, they say, yeah, he's going to pitch two or three innings, but, you know, if he's pitching really well and he's just sitting guys down, are they going to let him go four? Are they going to let him go five? And like Anthony mentioned, as we go, you know, these days stacked up uh, on top of each other, are the Braves going to save their bullpen? If we get Jake O'Dorizzi in inning three, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to play under seven runs. And then I'm going to bank on these two starting pitchers who, like Anthony mentioned, are the best, I'd say, seven in the National League this season. I'm going to try to. Come back on the over, uh, depending on what it is, after three innings. It could be five and a half. It could be five, right, as Odorizzi is coming in. Because like Anthony mentioned, I mean, Odorizzi's two runs worse than than Spencer Strider. I mean, he's got an x area of 4.11 this season. He hasn't been really that effective. You know, in a hitter-friendly ballpark, could these teams be saving their bullpens a little bit? Who knows? So, for me, that's how I think how I'm going to play it and just try to middle this thing, um, just with all the uncertainty. Um, it's just kind of frustrating not to know exactly how many innings a guy is going to throw, um, especially a guy like Spencer Strider, who has been absolutely incredible in his rookie season. Like, if he was pitching the absolute full game, um, I would only have six runs projected for this game. So, um, but for me, I think I'm just going to try to middle this uh, once uh, Odorizzi comes in for Strider.
2: I can get around on teams not giving us a plan with their pitching this time of year it's when
4: it's may i'm against it or june i think that braves knew since yesterday who they were going to start and they just did that as a way to keep the phillies off who was going to pitch make them prepare for two different guys uh but we'll see the phillies may retaliate tomorrow because they don't have a a starter listed so you know uh, know, i'm a little salty maybe and as somebody who's you know as a better like i don't want to sit here and wait you know the market's posting a line if if Charlie Morton was starting today. I would have loved the Phillies at minus 120, but now it's Strider. So I don't, I actually almost kind of like Atlanta. So that, there's a huge difference. I don't know how you bet into a market without knowing the starting pitcher. Uh, you, you, you really can't. So it, it's, it's frustrating for betters. It's frustrating for fans and, and teams uh, playing these games. I don't like it, but I think the Phillies might retaliate tomorrow and not announce a starter until the morning.
2: Okay, that's fair. No, I, I get that angle. I just mean like just gamesmanship, tra- gamesmanship trying to win the series. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. In, in previous history, here's our starter for game one. Here's our starter game two and everyone kind of knew. and you play the games and you figure it out, right? You figure out best mm-hmm. let the best team win. Finally, before we wrap, Dodgers Padres heads to San Diego. Padres evened up the series in LA, 1-1. And uh, Padres are uh zarillo gave this out as well yesterday or the day before i can't remember because there was an off day for the nl it was yesterday it was yesterday right Mm -hmm. okay got the padres at plus 108 that's down to plus 100 and the dodgers are at minus 120 uh for game three anthony what's the do do you like the san diego padres here Is, is this dodgers number short You get get the sense this could be a long series now with the Padres getting back at their home ballpark, which is pitcher friendly, and they've got their better pitchers on the mound now in in their home ballpark.
4: Yeah, I think the Padres should be favored in the first five innings. Blake Snell, we talked about strikeout minus walk rate in the second half. Blake Snell, top 10 starter in all of baseball. He's been dominant, 32.5% strikeout rate. The walks are a little bit of a concern against this Dodgers lineup because they don't chase. So if Snell is just a little bit off, he can run into some trouble, kind of like he did against the Mets in his uh, start on Saturday. But if he's got his stuff going, his stuff is excellent. He gets swings and misses in the zone, which is a huge key against the Dodgers. He has the ability to shut this lineup down. We've seen it in the World Series. We've seen it in his time in San Diego. He has matched up well with this Dodgers lineup almost every time. And the Dodgers are not as good against lefties. They are just 13th since the trade deadline and uh way runs created. Plus they're only eighth for the season, which for the Dodgers is not great. The Padres better against righties. They're going to see Tony Gonsolin. Gonsolin has also not pitched in a long time, similar to Strider. We don't know what his effectiveness is. Dave Roberts said 75 pitches. I'll be interested to see what, how that plays out because uh, they're going to have probably Dustin May and behind him, I think, or Andrew Heaney, depending on what kind of look they want to throw so it'll be very interesting but I think the Padres should be favored in the first five so I like any plus money on that and if you go to these bullpens the Dodgers are piecing together their bullpen there's not like a clear role and I still think they're very good Phillips and and Vessia have been excellent but there is the risk that if one of those guys just a little off they can run into some problems I like the Padres in the full game plus money as well the lineup's a little worse but the pitching is better for San Diego in this game Okay, Dodgers had four guys throw the other night, and Gratterall took the loss
2: uh, for LA. Let's go to uh, BJ. What, what's your angle here on on Game Three?
3: I actually do like under seven and a half runs at minus one twenty. Um, so depending on how long Gonsolin throws, I mean he's been still he's been very good this season. He has been an overperformer, but I mean a three point one two area is nothing to snuff at. Um, he's got a he's got an excellent splitter. That uh, he throws about thirty percent of the time. Opponents only have a one eighty seven expected batting average against it this season. But the larger point is that the Padres, even they have not hit right-handed pitching well at all this season. Like even after the trade deadline when they got Soto, Bell, and Drury, they still only have a, a two twenty two expected batting average and a two ninety one expected weighted on base average against right-handed pitching. That's average in, in terms of, against Major League Baseball. And Gonsolin, when he faced the Padres twice this season, he only allowed one run. And seven hits and struck out fourteen batters in about twelve and two thirds innings. So, uh, the Padres, I think, will have a difficult matchup. Even if Dustin May comes in. I mean, he's got nasty stuff as well. And Anthony already mentioned. I mean, Blake Snell. He obviously didn't pitch well against the Mets in the wild card round, but I mean, he was really, really good after the All Star break. He was the Padres' best starting pitcher. He had over a twelve K per nine rate. His xFIP was two point seven three. And you know, the, the biggest thing for him, like Anthony mentioned, are the walks. But you know, it's his three-pitch combination of fastball, slider, and curveball. I mean, his slider and curveball have a whiff rate over 40% this season and are allowing an expected batting average under 185. So uh for a Dodgers lineup that uh is a 315 expected weighted on base average against left-handed fastball sliders and curveballs, uh it's they're not as good as they are against righties. So um I'm gonna I only have 6.7 runs projected. So I'm gonna be on under seven and a half runs at minus 120. Are you okay with seven? Seven, Eddie, money is
2: fine with me. Okay, plus 100 under seven right now. Just in case, you know, when folks come out, we know that when we're doing the recording, right. that's the line when we set it. But yes, very much so. That could very well change um, It like it normally would on any baseball slate between now and first pitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, gents. Uh, that's going to do it. So please, uh, if you enjoyed the show, if you've enjoyed our episodes throughout the postseason, Rate, review, subscribe, payoff pitch. We are Action Network's baseball betting podcast presented by BetMGM. We can't tell you exactly if we're going to be here or not next week because it all depends on. Well, we will be here next week, but Monday, Yankees, Guardians, Mariners, Astros. If those series are over, we won't have episodes Monday. But Tuesday, there will be NLCS game one. That is what's slated for. Tuesday, no matter what happens. So we will be ready for that. Anthony, uh, have a great time. Be safe and uh, good luck to the Phillies and all of your picks. And BJ, thanks for stopping by. You'll hear from these two throughout the course of the month as October rolls on. As a reminder, search Payoff Pitch Podcast in the Action Network app to find all of our picks. And you can follow BJ and Anthony on the app to track where they are putting their money for these playoffs. Oh, and by the way, I would be remiss to not mention the these two guys are fantastic covering the sport of soccer. And that is going to become a topic of conversation. It already is, but it's going to be more of a topic of conversation very soon with the World Cup approaching. So please tune into our action soccer podcast, Wonder Goal, and you should definitely do so. So please uh, make sure you find these guys weekly and pretty soon more than weekly as the World Cup nears Wonder Goal podcast. For both of those guys, I'm Brendan Glasheen. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You all have a great weekend. Enjoy the playoff baseball, and we will join you again next week on Payoff Pitch.
0: Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.